You are listening to iFanboy.com's Talksplode. Today we're talking to John Arcudi, writer of BPRD, Aliens, Predator, Marvel's USA Comics 70th Anniversary Special, and Superman in DC's Wednesday Comics Project. I'll run the numbers through the floor Here's how it goes I'll crack the codes I'll crack the codes in any war I'll crack the codes in any war Hey there, the world. It's me, Paul Montgomery, for iFanboy.com. Of course, you know Josh Flanagan. And joining us today is John Arcudi, writer of BPRD, Wednesday Comics, uh, Superman Story, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, let's get right into it. John, now everyone seems to cannonball into the industry a little differently. How did you break into comics? Uh, drinking. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was really good friends with uh, a, a guy who was friends with Pat Redding, who was an assistant uh, editor up at Marvel. And mm-hmm. uh, we were just having beers one night, and she came walking up and started talking to him and to me. And um, they just happened uh, to need uh, somebody to fill in for Savage Tales, uh, eight pager, I think it was. I'm not sure, but it doesn't really matter. It's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I came up and I talked to Larry, and uh, that was it. What what kind of um, aspirations did you have before that? I mean, you you hadn't considered writing for comics. Okay. <laughs> No, I actually was doing prose writing before that, um, so I had a lot of a lot of experience writing, which is why uh, Pat considered me in the first place. He found out that I was a writer, and I wasn't really going very far in prose writing. And as you could probably tell, drinking on stoop, I wasn't trying very hard. So uh, she just uh, took it on her. Uh, she, she decided to see if, if comics uh, was going to work for me, maybe better than prose, just by virtue of needing a writer and me being there. And uh, it seems it worked out. It was, a, it was a good fit, a lot, a lot better fit than I thought it would be, frankly. So you had never really intended to do that? You just sort of started doing it? Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, I, 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 I was a comics reader um, and I probably, you know, messed around a little with it. I don't really remember very clearly, uh, but uh, it wasn't really, uh, you know, I wasn't aiming to do it. It was sort of, uh, it's the way it used to be, you know. Yeah. This stuff sort of happens by, by chance. You guys don't they don't take classes at Drexel University to learn how to do it. But that, that doesn't happen now at all. I mean, it's, to break into comics writing now, it's a torturous road. Yeah, well, it, it may have been if I had been trying to at the time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it just was uh, serendipitous. And, uh, and as I said, it turned out to be a really good fit. I, 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 every, every year on her birthday, I call Patty Redding and thank her for that. Was it, was it hard to pick up like the, the language of comics or did that come to you fairly easily? Did you work in like, I guess, did you work in Marvel style back then? Uh, I remember that first couple of scripts. I think I, the first one, no, the first script I wrote, I'm pretty sure was a full script because uh, Larry sat down and, and taught me how to write full script. But then after that, I worked Marvel style for, for a bit. And um, I, I, as I said, I've been writing quite a bit, but they're two different animals, prose and comics. Sure. And, uh, and Larry sort of, in his inimitable fashion, but effective, uh, uh, whipped me into shape for writing the first story. And then thereafter, writing Marvel style was a lot easier because it put the burden on the, 
on the artist for the, the, the storytelling, mm-hmm. which is, you know, why no one does it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but at, at Marvel, when I write, over, I write for Marvel, they want full scripts. Mm-hmm. So. so when did you feel as if you'd, you'd sort of like hit your stride um, writing for comics and realized it was sort of like the point of no return? Wow, that's that's a cheery way of looking at it. Um, I, I don't really know. I, it, it was it was like anything, I guess, in life. It was sort of gradual, and then you turn around and you know look about you and like, oh, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. So it was. It took a few years before I realized where I was, rather than you know any kind of a, a one day waking up and saying, this is it. You know, it just. Uh, but it took a few years before I realized that that this is what I was was doing was what I was good at, and I might as well stick with it. I know you for writing a lot of sort of um, like pulp influenced adventure and and horror. Um, and like recently in a, in a P- BPRD issue, um, I loved seeing uh, that footnote translated from Hyperborean. Was um, were the pulps and, and like Robert E. Howard like a big influence on you? Um, but as you know, as a reader and then and later as a writer. Um. I, I sure loved Robert E. Howard stuff, you know, when I was in high school, which is, you know, it's when you're supposed to love it. And um, uh, I wouldn't say that it was that, that great an influence on me. I did, I did write uh, some Conan stuff for Marvel, but I wouldn't say that, that Howard was a great influence on my writing, not even my Conan writing. I, you know, you, you read it and you didn't want to, you didn't want to disgrace the character or anything. Um, but it, no question that I liked it a lot. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, Barry Smith, John Buscema, Conan. It's hard to find better comics than that. Uh, well, what what were your inf- influences coming into comics oh. and and you know? um, I, Well, again, I wasn't really trying to write comics, and so my 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 real influences were from other places, like like uh, Charles Williford, uh, and uh, uh, well, primarily Charles Williford, uh, and, and and a lot of film too. Uh, John Ford, more than anybody, probably. Uh, it, Charles Williford, I don't know if you're familiar with this stuff. He wrote the Hoke Mosley novels, uh, uh, Miami Blues, uh, New Hope for the Dead, those kinds of things. He's in the same sort of vein as Jim Thompson, but a little more, I don't know, his style is, is, is even more transparent than Thompson's. It's hard to describe, but that was what I was always hoping to do is try not to have my fingerprints all over what I did. And that's the great thing about collaboration. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's the great thing about collaboration is that the the author kind of disappears in the background. And I, I, I like that. I think that if the story is good, then the story will keep the reader. Uh, and and it, and my my personality or my flourishes or whatever the hell you want to call it, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that that's a trick you can only keep up for so long. And I don't like it anyway. You know, uh, that's why I really like John Ford uh, and Charles Williford. You can't really, after a while, when you're in that storytelling mode, sorry, reading or watching a movie, you don't really think about who created it. And that's what I like about that's, that. That's the best kind of story there is, where you're just communicating ideas and nothing about yourself. Um, so ideally, is, you would you would want, you know, you wouldn't want somebody to read something that you wrote and be able to identify it with with your name specifically. That's Specifically, no. I mean, you know, I, I, if they read it and they like it and they look and they see John Arcudi, I want them to go and buy more John Arcudi work. But mm-hmm. no, I don't want them to, you know, like Hitchcock, for instance, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't help but tell that Hitchcock directed almost anything that he directed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people love that about Hitchcock. But, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's a sign of someone who's communicating 
his personality rather than ideas that are universal. You know, putting the messenger before the message. Exactly. So you you talked about uh, collaboration. Um, it, it's you. Um, you worked on the Mask and uh, Cracked Magazine, and it sort of strikes me that that would be like very, um, re- really visual ideas, like sort of like writing like a, like a Looney Tunes cartoon with all the sight gags and everything. It, did that involve a lot of um, like maybe even closer um, collaboration between you and the artists you were working with for for that kind of material? Well, it, it varies. With Dog, I wrote very detailed scripts and. Um... And I remember one of the first conversations I had with Mike Mignola. He was like, did, did, did you write this right here? Did you write this specifically, this scene? And I was like, yeah, that's what I wrote. And Doug, but Doug interpreted it. I don't want to take anything away from what Doug did because, you know, in a hundred other artists' hands, it would have been, you know. Uh, but then, you know, as, as, I, as I, I got a little more, uh, God, mature uh, um, or whatever, the collaborations became a little more relaxed and I, 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 I trusted my artists a little more, um, and it cracked when you're working with John Severin. If you can't trust John Severin, you're there's something wrong with all of us. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was I, that was earlier on before I did crack, and I, you know, my editor was like, you know, don't be an idiot. You know, trust John Severin, trust Steve Ditko. You know, trust Gene Colan. You know, it's probably pretty good advice. Yeah, it was good advice. Yeah, and the thing is, ideally, if you come up with a good story, and you work with the right guy. Um, he's going to be able to tell that story differently from the way you would have anyway. And as I said, you know, if you work with a good, good, a good artist, you know, woman or man, I shouldn't say guy, I suppose, uh, they're going to find a, a better way to tell that story. You know, and that's, that's, that's what I'm really comfortable with now, uh, is, is, is working with the best possible people. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Um, but, but letting them have a little more room to tell uh, the story in a way that the reader can access it. Uh, better than I can because they're they know what's going to sell on the page not sell but work on the page in terms of art and, and one would hope that I still know what's going to work you know as dialogue I suppose that working on something um, like BPRD where I mean I've seen what, what to me are very sort of elegant yet simple sort of page layouts and stuff are you, are you fairly hands off with how that goes do you describe panel layout at all or do you just sort of say you know there's, there's four or five panels on this and here's what happens in each of them and and, and um, leave it to, it, to Guy Davis? Or? No, my, my, I, I still do full script. Uh, very, very rarely will I sort of back off and say, look, this, this page, you know, handle the way you want to. But, you know, but then, but then Guy comes in and he lays it out, and, and we all look at it. Mike, Scott Alley, the editor, and I, and we all look at it. And, you know, he's, he's going to make changes because in many, many, many times he really has to. You know, it's, it's, I'm just, you know, I'm not... I'm not, I, have a, I think very visually, but not as visually as obviously Guy Davis will. And he'll change it, and if it's not working, we'll all talk about it, and if it is working, we just let it go. So I, 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 give, I try to give any artist as much guidance as I, as, I, as I can with where the story should be going. And if he can find something that works better, by all means, please do it. He has that, and not only that uh, latitude, that's his obligation in my my opinion, and if you can find a way to make the story go a different way that improves the way to tell a story, you know, by all means, uh, you know, that those those artists are frankly are rare, which is why I work so much with Guy Davis, yeah, <laughs> um, that really improved the story. 
you know, uh, it's 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 not a it's not a kick against artists. It's just a it's a difficult synergy to get going, you know. So continuing in the vein of, of BPRD, um, the Bureau's been around uh, for a really long time, basically, basically since um, the early 90s with the earliest Hellboy stuff. Um, but could you talk about a little bit about how uh, you came on board the, the actual BPRD ongoing series uh, like a decade later? Um, how did you hook up with, uh, with Dark Horse and, um, and with Mike Mignola? Well, Mike and I have been... Um you don't read the introductions to those, to those collections. Not everybody listening has. That's... I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> um, um, Mike and I have been talking a long time about collaborating on something, and um, I, I, I can't even remember all of the different things we talked about. We talked about working for DC. At one point, we were talking to the Cartoon Network about doing something together. You know, a lot of different permutations of collaboration that we discussed and then independently not quite as long but independently guy and i were trying to work together um, and uh and we were trying to do something at dc you know blah 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 and and in spite of the fact that mike and i both talked about how great guy was it it it, it, it didn't come to us right away until a little later that all three of us getting together was going to make this happen a little faster and you know mike had already uh, decided that he wanted to launch uh, the BPRD with uh, a seri- uh, series of series uh, with Plague of Frogs, and he talked to me about, uh, you know, taking over from there. And uh, it just was, you know, again, uh, serendipitous, although you could call us all very slow-witted for not figuring it out you know, a year or two earlier. So what's the, what's the um, collaborative relationship like on on a script? Say like what's the what's the process from beginning to end? Like how how do you work on it? How do you you know bring guy in and everything? Um, well, I, I, every series has been different. Uh, the first series that I did with Mike, I wrote my story. Mike wrote his story. Uh, uh, Mike just gave me a plot, and I incorporated the plot, but into the into the full script. But but. It was a fairly, fairly clear division, not fairly clear division. It was a clear division of labor as far as that goes. Uh, and then on the next series, Mike said, this is what we're going to do. And we had a, a conversation about what the Black Flame was going to be. And then I wrote the whole thing. And each series since then has been different. Uh, uh, a couple of them I wrote almost completely on my own uh, with a couple of suggestions from Mike. Uh, and a couple of them have been m- more collaborative uh, in nature, uh, such as the first two I described. But every one of them has been slightly different from the other. Uh, then, but, but generally, the, 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 even with Mike's involvement, I'm, I'm the one who will sit down and physically write the script. Because Mike, Mike doesn't really like to do that. I, <laughs> um, I tend and, to think of him on those as like, I guess as like an executive producer kind of role almost. Like he, he gives the notes that you would be like the showrunner. I mean, in TV terms, I guess. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a fairly, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And sometimes his involvement is, is, uh, is, is, is far greater than others. Uh, uh, as I said, a couple of the series, he, he, he didn't know what was going on in, in the books until, you know, Scott edited the scripts and would send them on. Uh, and, you know, he, he just trusted me. Uh, and he still trusts me. And I hope he still trusts me after this interview. Um, but then we all tr- we turn it all over to Guy, uh, Scott first, and we go through it, you know, do some notes, and then we turn it all over to Guy. 
and guy submits layouts, and we all look at it. Uh, he'd send them to me, to Mike, to Scott, and Scott's assistants, and we all look at it, and generally, just as with every script, there'll be a few notes for guy. Never anything big unless, you know, there's a, there's a real communication breakdown. Uh, and, uh, and then guy from there goes straight to pencils and goes. It's, it's a, because he's got his, not only is guy very good, he's very, very fast. So, uh, we were really lucky in that regard because we didn't have to, the, the, the layouts help us. The layouts help us keep a storytelling consistency going. And, uh, we really lucked out as far as that goes. I, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that any, there must be other artists out there that can do that, can turn layouts and then pencils and inks in the same short period of time that guy can, but, uh, I don't know if they'd be as good as Guy. You know, we're just really, really lucky. I imagine at this point, you know, like, you've all been doing this for a while, you know, and it's a pretty core group, so it must be, I'm guessing it's a fairly uh, painless process compared to, say, a lot of other work that, that maybe that either you've done or, you know, you're, you're used to seeing, I guess, in, in a lot of mainstream comics. Um, it, oh, it no, somebody's a jerk. No. <laughs> What's that? Well, well yeah, and, 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 you know, someone is going to be a jerk every now and again. Uh, I've been a jerk. I've been a jerk now and again. It's, it's you know, we're, we're all human beings. But uh, it, it was, it's been a relatively, for me anyway, and I think probably Guy would say the same thing, a couple, a couple of hiccups. It's been a relatively painless process almost from the beginning because we all know what we, what we want to do. And the editor is sort of uh, on board with that because he's working so closely with Mike, as you say, Mike sort of serves the the, uh, the function of an executive producer. But it's always hard. I got to be honest with you. You know, it's it's if if it's it, Hemingway said, easy writing makes for hard reading. And I'm sure you know, it, as fast as guy is, every now and again, it's 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 a challenge. You know, and, and that's that's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, you know. You don't want it to be easy. You don't want uh, you don't want to write stories that you know you know the ending to before you know. Uh, I, I'm sort of getting ahead of myself, but you want to make sure that the that the readers are are as surprised by your stories as you would like them to be, and and you've, as surprised by the images as you would like them to be, and by the ideas and all that. And so it's always uh, a, I don't want to call it a grind, but it's always relatively difficult. I, Generally speaking, if I'm if I'm having fun, doesn't mean it isn't difficult. It's interesting because on 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 my side as a reader, you, you know, with with the BPRD stuff, it feels very effortless, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But like the pages are not blocked, the characters don't have to explain too much. It's uh, did I say blocked? They're just not all all you know full of too much stuff. And 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 I guess that's a testament to sort of the craft that you guys put into it. But you know they, they come out that way. It's not that the story's boring or anything like that. But it it just feels like a, like the books flow really well and are really interesting. So I, I guess there's a lot more to that <laughs> than most of us. Well, think. yeah, uh, thanks. And that's always what we're trying for. It's nice to know that we're succeeding. But it's it's it is you know it's not. I know you didn't mean that as an insult, but and I, and, I, and I don't mean this to. I don't hope. I hope this doesn't sound flippant. But yeah, it. It doesn't happen by accident, you know. It's, sure. it's, uh, and and guy again is a really big part of that uh, because his his stuff is simultaneously sick and insane and yet blue collar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you Absolutely. look at these guys. Yeah, you look at you, you look at his work and you're like, this. You know, he's not trying to, you know, devastate me with you know insane panel layout. You know, and 
um, he's just trying to tell a story, and that's and that's really, really, really important, you know. Um, and that's I've worked with a lot of artists, and some of them are more interested in drawing than telling a story. And Guy Davis, if, if you want him to draw, just draw something, just draw a drawing, you know. He can do that, great. But man, the guy, the guy's when he doesn't, he's doing a comic. What he wants to do is tell a story, and then it comes out exactly as you say. It, it flows beautifully, you know. Now, since since you're working under, I guess this this Hellboy universe umbrella, and and in a way, it has to sort of be shaped to fit under the way that you know Mignola did the Hellboy comics before it and things like that. Do you have has that has that ever been difficult for you, or, uh, like fitting in with that style, or do you feel that you just sort of like you write in that way, sort of naturally anyway? It's interesting because uh, you know Mike and I were talking about this not too long ago, actually, and I, I don't really feel as if I am writing anything like the way Mike does. I think it's just by virtue of having done it for as long as I've done it that people think it's sort of, it, it falls into that Hellboy universe. But if you read um, Darkness Calls or, or, the, or what's the most recent one, Wild Hunt, yeah. I, they, 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 they tend to be far more... Those books feel more know, sparse, sort of, I guess. Well, they're weird and lyrical. And, and I don't know that anybody, and maybe they'd say that BPRD is weird, although I try to unweirdify it as much as I can. But I don't think anybody would call it lyrical. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 as, as Mike keeps saying it, you know, you're the, you, you, you show all the nuts and bolts, John, you know. And, and um, I, I think that's probably true. I, I, I want to make this stuff, I want to make it weird and terrifying, but I don't. I, I want you to understand these are real people going out there and getting their heads torn off, even if they're, you know, a gas in a, you know, you know, a ghost in a bag, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and 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 you know, Hellboy is he's you know he's the beast of the apocalypse, and this you know he he makes it, you know Mike has him talking like he's a regular guy, and he reacts to it like a regular guy. But everything around him is is as i said this this kind of uh, eerie lyrical quality to to the, to the work in general it it sort of makes sense that uh bprd would be more more spartan more matter of fact because i mean it is a, it is a military organization um no it actually wasn't until i came on board and and i don't know how happy mike was when it started out going in the direction but now he's very happy with it um you know if you go back and you look at the old hellboys it's it's a bunch of ghost hunters, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I introduced an, uh, an ex-marine captain who brought a military discipline to it, and I. Also, the 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 the, the threat is escalating, um, and so I just that that's how it came about that that it's now perceived as a as a you know military organization. Uh, well, sp- speaking of new characters, like how how important is it to keep the? It, it feels like a like a revolving cast, and it feels like the the dynamic is is constantly changing. You know, in in the best of ways um, with each new arc. So, how how much of that is is um just like is that coming out of the story, or is that uh, just your your um your need to sort of keep things fresh? Uh, both, although I, I'd like to think, I mean, like bringing Daimyo on board at the beginning, we needed sort of somebody to replace Hellboy in the team dynamic. And um, so, you know, that was uh, sort of a latter, you know, uh, question. It's more to keep things fresh. But then bringing Panya in after Garden of Souls, it just seemed to make sense, you know. Uh, you introduce a good guy, so to speak, and... Uh, and that's just going to leave her on the island, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I, I, 
for, for good or bad, I tend to look at stories as like, well, you know, you introduce this element, you can't just can't just let it go. You, know, you got to do something with it. Um, like like uh, like Daryl, the Wendigo. You know, I introduced mm-hmm. him. Like, yeah, it was a flashback story, but um, you know, he's he's still out there in that Canadian maximum security prison. So we got to do something with him. So that was it's it's just me not me being obsessive about not letting loose threads dangle, unless of course we really want them to dangle. Um, in case anyone hears this and says, "What are you fucking talking about, dude?" Um, but you know, if there's a loose thread there that I think I can use for the story, I have to pick it up. You know, are most of those characters that that you you brought in? Do you think those are were those characters? I guess that came to you that you wanted to fit in, or it sounds. I guess it sounds more like you you'd come up with a need for a character and then you'd create somebody for that whole. Well, yeah, it's it's usually all about the story. Like I I want to tell a story about the uh, about Abe's old. Uh, uh, colleagues, conspirators, whatever it'll be, uh, or whatever you want to call them. And um, I, I, I needed, uh, and I'm a guffin, but I needed, I need, I, you know, what, why, the, why, would, why was Abe going to go there? And so I needed, a, I needed a lure, and it turned out that that lure is going to have to be a character. And, 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 and to maybe uh, be a little bit more honest about this, I, I have a lot of trouble writing other people's characters. Not always, but every now and again I do. And so if I introduce new characters... I feel a little bit more like it's my book. Although at this point, I feel as if all of those characters are my characters. So, are there any of those that you're particularly affectionate towards? I guess, or I mean, you have to do horrible things to them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, you know like what, I, what I just said. I said I, I feel like all of them are mine. I mean, Daimyo uh, always was my favorite, and and Daryl. Daryl's just—he's great. He's such a great character. Uh, I realize most people probably don't think of him as a character, but. To me, he's a great character because he doesn't really he doesn't say anything after the first time we see him, but he's so important to the story. Um, you know, kind of like the way people say, you know, in um, you know, uh, you know, the New York City is a character in the story. That's how I feel about Daryl. You know, he doesn't say anything, but he's he's really an important part of of, of moving the story forward. Uh, but uh, in terms of the originals, probably Johan, probably Johan. I'd loved Roger, but you know. Yeah. We killed him. <laughs> I too loved Roger. So yeah, yeah, he was he was a lot of fun. I had a little trouble with him at first, but then I really, really got to enjoy him. And just you know, after just I think writing him really well for three issues, mm-hmm. I, I killed him. Go figure. Is that is it's funny because like that's like a real is that like a realization you have to make like all of a sudden the story presents itself in the way like I have to kill this guy now. Or, or is... um, well, you know, Mike and I talked about it beforehand, uh, and I didn't realize how much fun he was until I started writing him. But I already knew he was going to die uh, for for the Black Flame. I mean, I was having fun writing him towards the end of the Dead, but early on, it was sort of like, you know, I just wasn't getting it. I think you can see that, and uh, 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 if you reread the Dead, but the Black Flame, I already knew he was going to. I don't know, maybe because I knew he was going to die, I could. I, I could enjoy him more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. You know, it's something about me. Whatever. Uh, so, how how far in advance do you uh, outline these stories? Um, basically, like right now in BPRD, you're um, you've just finished the second um, part of a of a trilogy, right? The, right. the Scorched Earth trilogy. So, um, how 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 much of what's going on right now did you know about way back when you started? Oh, I I we, we, I, we knew everything. 
before I started writing, um, uh, well, I knew where it was going to end up. Uh, but before I started writing The Warning, I knew where we were going to end up with uh, uh, King of Fear, which is uh, the third. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just sorry that we couldn't get those three out in a row. Uh, just it proved to be scheduling-wise a little too difficult. Uh, but but I knew, you know, however long, I mean, more than a year ago, uh, how it was all going to turn out. The, the warning was the one that, um, you know, Mike said, well, you know, this happened in the first couple of issues. I'm not really sure where this should go. And I wrote the rest of, I wrote the last three issues of the warning. So if anybody doesn't like those crab robots, they can blame me. <laughs> um, and, um, and then, but Mike had a little more, he had some more specific ideas about uh, a black goddess and, and, and king of fear. And so I'm working from a couple of conversations. Uh, actually, Mike wrote those down, uh, some plots that he wrote out for those two. Uh, and then the one after that, the one after king of fear is going to be, it's going to be my uh, story almost entirely with some, some input from Mike. So, so uh, one of the things that I really appreciate, um, as a reader is that I, Whereas in, in other team books, um, where they're, they're sort of full of sacred cow, you know, superhero characters, um, I'm never worried about them getting offed. But with, with BPRD, I never know what's going to happen and who's safe and, and how long anybody's going to be part of the team for any particular length of time. Um, and just thinking about, about Liz, who, I, you know, I've read that um, Mike was planning on killing her off very early on, even in the Hellboy books. And she stayed around, you know, this long. So, I mean, how we were, we were talking about, you know, outlining and planning and everything. How much um, surprise is there? Like, like, is, is it, you know, exciting, you know, just sort of having these characters that could, could be blown to smithereens at any minute? It's great. You know, I, I, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, and uh, you know, the other thing is that these characters are not, um, I'd like them to be as much as, uh, like real people as we can get away with, which is to say that, you know, real people are motivated by um, usually, you know, personal things. And, and that means that people, real people, act really beneficently at times and selfishly at other times, and sometimes uh, so selfishly as to, you know, border on or maybe even cross over into evil and um and that's always a possibility with these characters too that they're 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 going to uh they're going to have reasons to maybe not be the nicest people and not because you know the cosmic cube but because you know uh, johan you know he was getting laid you know he was getting laid after years of living in a plastic head and um you know that's that's not that's no good. You know, if someone takes that away from you. That's that's no good. You know, uh, and you know, also in that series, he was he was uh, being you know promiscuous. I I don't know if he was practicing safe sex. You know, so it, it's it's not it's it's not it, it is no motivation that those characters have. Generally speaking, you know, like Liz gets hypnotized by men and sound stuff like that. But most of the characters' long-term motivations are the same motivations that any one of us would have. You know, not necessarily any one of us who had a superpower would have, but any of, of us would have on any given day.
but let's let's talk about some of the uh, the other Dark Horse projects you're do, you're working on the Alien series and uh, Predator right. coming up. But Alien Aliens number one is definitely out, and um, and I really enjoyed that. And again, it's another situation. I don't want to give you know too much away for anybody who hasn't read the issue, but anything hey, can happen. If they haven't now, to hell with them. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you know, reading that first issue, um, you know, where I, I I was kind of lulled into a false sense of security, and then um, by the end, anything can happen in this book. This right. is uh, no one is safe. Yeah, that's that's um, that's the kind of stories I like to see, and that's the kind of stories I like to tell. And um, yeah, that's it's it's the, the aliens. I thought Predator was going to be more fun. But somehow, it turned out that Aliens was was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be to write. It was it was really a blast. I got to develop you know some interesting characters and some I hope unusual motivations for those characters. Again, there you know there are some people who are just people that maybe do things that are counter to their nature that could be perceived as bad or will be perceived as bad. And and hopefully by the end of the series you'll understand why they did that. You know, you have to have aliens in the story, but you know they don't—they don't do a lot of talking. So, if you want to have any reason for there to be a story, it's got to be hopefully about people. And and yeah, I like to write stories where you—I like—I love that. You know, what the fuck at the end of the first issue of a series? That's hopefully what every one of my readers does at the end of the first issue. That—that that was my experience with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I guess this this is again, it's you know, it's it's a franchise title, but um, you get to write it, you know, like like a, you know, an original book where it's you have whole new characters, and it's just right. that that horror element of having these uh, non-talking aliens involved. Yeah, and and I mean, they're they're an important part of the story. Uh, they're. I guess I can say this. They, they don't look like your average aliens, and there's a reason for that. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that reason is ever really explained in the Alien series, but it will be explained a little later on down the line. And it's still a good story, people. <laughs> Cloud and, and by the comic, it's still a good, it's a good story. That's that's the important. Yeah, it's 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 a gorgeous book too. I really enjoyed it. I you know um, I I'd have uh, I hadn't had a lot of uh, other experience with you know aliens comics, but um, you know saw your name on the cover and I said I got to give this a shot, and I'm really glad I did. Um, and, and Zach's great, and you'll see more from that guy. He's he's insane. His stuff excellent. is really really good. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember the colorist's name. That's great. They'll love to hear that. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, it came out real nice looking. We're really, really happy with it. When you're doing, I guess, a, a licensed property like that, uh, you know, but you'd, and you'd also said before, you know, how, how you, you want to feel like you, you own a book. Um, does it does it feel like it, it's an uphill battle to start with? Because I, I imagine it would be challenging to, to be like, okay, I have to tell an alien story when, you know, like so many things have happened before. Um you know the movies that are that are seminal and and even the the comics that have come before there is does that a big challenge or do you, do you feel like that stuff comes relatively easily? Uh, no, nothing I do is ever easy. I cannot <laughs> stress that enough. Even if something that comes out there that you read and it sucks, trust me, the first draft was much worse. <laughs> um, but but you know yeah, there is twentieth century uh, Fox. Shouldn't it be twenty first century? Well, anyway, Fox. Living in the past. They're at, they're, yeah, they're actually, um, uh, there's a joke there that I'm not going to touch. There's a, uh, Fox has actually been pretty chill with what we do with, with uh, 
because we've been doing it for so long, or Dark Horse, I should yeah. say, has been doing it for so long. And I, I did write a series of alien stories for them back in the 90s, and man, by the the third one, even though I was working with Richard Corbin, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, you, you know, and, and you, the, the great, the, the thing that makes it, that balances that out is that, because, uh, you know, you, 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 what makes it tough is that, you know, like, well, what, it, it's all been done, you know? But what balances that out is that uh, all you need for the story is that they're aliens. You can create new characters, and, and if you can find something to do with the aliens that's different, all those characters, although you don't legally own them, they're yours, and you can write them the way you want to, mm-hmm. you know? And that balances that out. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, in spite of the fact that, that Fox is, is, has, has trusted our course to tell these stories, you still find yourself second-guessing yourself, and then... And, uh, I found that more with, uh, I shouldn't really distinguish between the two, but I, I, you, you have to, you, know, you watch the movies, the first two movies is what I always use for reference, and uh, they work uh, so well. Primarily, I'm committed to telling a story different from those stories. Ultimately, that's a little difficult because, you know, the aliens are coming to kill us is always going to be a major part of the story, you know, um, but hopefully the characters in them are motivated by for different reasons and their their uh their dynamic uh, uh internal dynamic of, of whatever group is there is going to be different uh so the short answer to your question is yes yes well excellent is there i mean is there a, i mean that's a horror story and and BPRD, I guess, could be like a horror story, but it, it doesn't feel that it's a little military. It's a little bit, you know, showing that nuts and bolts and stuff. What, what are the kind of stories that that you that you like to write the most that I, that feel the most natural for you? I, I guess I, I never really think about, mm-hmm. you know, genre. Um, I just wanted to stories about people, and if those people happen to be fish people, that's why maybe I'm not, you know, well, I shouldn't say that, but. Um, I'm more interested in telling a story about people, whatever that story is. Like the thing that I did most recently, which, which hopefully we'll get to a little later on, that had to be about people, the Superman thing I did for Wednesday Comics, and that person in the story was Superman. But I, I didn't want to have to think about, like, you know, well, what would a guy who can shoot, you know, uh, laser beams out of his eyes, what would his problem be? You know, I had to think about, well, this is, he's a person. He's, he lives on Earth, he's a person, he's an earthling, he's a human, essentially. So what's that, what's that story? What, who, what's going to motivate him? And, you know, that, 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 I don't see a really huge difference between that story and the alien story, or, uh, you know, that story and the BPRD, or the alien story and the BPRD story. I just have to figure out a way to work elements of horror into those story, stories that, so that I can justify the, the genre marketing. <laughs> uh, but I, I find that most people just want to read stories. And, sure. and uh, you know particularly, not particularly, some, some people are, are say, well, no, I want a horror story, or I want this story, or that story, but I think you can, you can sell a good story to anybody, you know. Well, let's, let's talk about Superman. Um, you're doing the Superman feature in Wednesday Comics, um, and it's in strip format, which I, I'd be interested to know is, do you, do you approach that differently? Is it, is it a, is sort of a challenge to sort of visualize how that looks, and, you know, you're not writing pages, you're writing, it's a larger format, so. Yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was a challenge, and it was a, a challenge that, um, honestly, I initially didn't take very seriously until I started writing it, and then I realized how much fun it could be, and before I turned to any pages, 
I, I approached it very differently because you know when, when, we were, when Mark Chirell and I were first talking about this, uh, he said, "Well, it's kind of like you have to think of it as sort of like you know two pages of story per page." And then you know, as soon as I started writing it, I realized, "Well, that's that's not really true," you know, because it's more like a page and a half. But really, it's not. It's not like anything, you know. It's not like anything else I've done. It's it's got to be something that you know. It's got to have. It's got to have a beginning and end to it that will keep the reader wanting to come back next week and not confuse the reader when he does come back next week. And it was a blast. It was a blast. It was so much fun um, working. It was a challenge that was hard but fun. And, man, when I got Lee's first page, hmm. it's like, fuck, you know? <laughs> You've gotten, I mean, you've you've seen, you've gotten a lot of pages back over the years, I guess. And and as like, I'm somebody who's who's just starting to work on getting comics made and things like that. And when I get pages back, it's like this is amazing. But I wonder, you know, when's this going to wear out? So you still can get that feeling when you get pages back. Uh, uh, well, it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I, there's some things I, I, I'm working with Lee, and I don't want to single him out because I work with a lot of really good guys. You know, I, I'm right now I'm working with John Severin. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I get a page, it's like, ah, you know, um, uh, and he was, we get about a page a week or every two weeks from John and, and they're all just gorgeous. I can't, I can't believe the guy after 70 years of being in this business still draws as well as he does. But because this format was so different, I, I didn't know how Lee was going to take to it. You know, I, I know that Lee's great, but I didn't know how Lee was going to take to it. And, and I knew it was going to look good, but I didn't know it was going to look this good. I mean, it's just talk about synergy and talk about the collaborative effort really paying off. We is just spectacular. I think the combination of, of, of the format and Superman and, and, and if I do say so, uh, a, a, a good script has just come together and, and Lee's, he's transformed this story into something even better than it was when it started. And that's, that's what you want. That's why I love collaboration. You know, when, when it doesn't work, it just pisses you off, but when it works, I just can't say enough about how how, how Lee's work has really made this script just the, the not the script fuck the script has made this story the best story it could be, maybe even better. And it's just spectacular. His, his stuff is uh, his Superman is that's the best Superman ever. Just the really wholesome Superman who's still intimidating i just you don't see that you know you just don't see that now is for for people who don't know is is the superman in wednesday comics is these are just standalone stories they just so this would be you know typical superman in metropolis or um well I, you know I, I i try to cover all because you know it's 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 for everybody theoretically mm-hmm. uh i try to cover all of the sort of classical settings for superman you know you, you want to know you want you want to see Metropolis. You want to see Smallville. You want to get a peek at Krypton. Um, but it's it's got it's 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 not completely removed from the the present day uh, mythology of Superman, such as he is. But it's removed from the present day continuity. If that if you need me to clarify, uh, just ask me. But it's you know you don't have to worry about all the continuity that's going on right now. The idea was that if you know. Whatever, if Superman currently has a broken arm, we didn't have to worry about that. It was just telling a Superman story with the main characters in such a way that hopefully will illuminate who Superman is as, as, as a as a real hero. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Now you're doing. Uh, you just I, yesterday I just read your your USA Comics uh, special from from Marvel. Um, let me ask you: Does it? Do you ever run out of ways to put Nazis in comic books? I hope not. <laughs> um, um, that that was uh, Bill Rosen actually approached me, the editor, with uh, doing a Mighty Destroyer story, and you know you can't do a Mighty Destroyer story without Nazis. So that was his reason to exist. But he was the one who wanted to illuminate why uh, is that word again? Why he wears that silly costume, and and that's what you know he he. He gave me the ending. I just had to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but 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 even if he hadn't given me the ending, you know, if I'm going to do a, a, a money destroyer story, it's, you've got Nazis. Yeah. Uh, and and let's face it, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder to find, you know, bad guys who aren't sympathetic. So you know, nobody likes a Nazi. You yeah, know? that's true. <laughs> well, some people do, but you know. Well, and just not. just trains full of Nazis. It's <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, and yeah, you can't kill a train full of uh, almost anybody else anymore without maybe being like that a bit much, you know. But you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna squawk if you kill a train full of Nazis, you know, except maybe except maybe David Duke. But um, you know, it's 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 they're, they're good bad guys to have around, you know. So it's it, it must be an, like an interesting challenge, going from from BPRD where you have a, like a long serialized story to doing something like this where it's a one shot, and then you know Superman um, in the in the Wednesday comics where it's um, little chapters in in strip form. Um, you, have you found that you know is is there any one particular style that you like, or do you do you like mixing it up? I, I like mixing it up. I, I will say that the, the USA uh, annual was a, that was a. That was a challenge because I was so used to telling, you know, five issue stories. The Superman was different, and and maybe maybe it was because the format was different that I had so much more fun with it. That, that I took the challenge um, as a as a sort of a, well, it just it just was more fun. The, the USA Comics one was like shit, you know. I, I got to do this in only twenty two pages. I got to tell a whole story in only twenty two pages. Plus, you know, it's not. Like a Captain America story where everybody knows who he is. I got to introduce this this mother uh, this uh, character to um to uh to people, and then I have to tell a story. It was a real challenge. I I I rewrite like crazy, but I rewrote that thing like eight fucking times. You know, um, hopefully it doesn't shell. It seemed fairly effortless, <laughs> just <laughs> to come back around. It, uh. No, yeah, it's 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 it was a lot of fun, and it it seemed like you know when we have the backup, you know, issue with with the um the reprint from you know the older uh, Destroyer story, and it just reminds you just like how much they can pack into you know a single issue of a comic book. It's there's a lot of action in in both you know the older one and and your story. Yeah, that, that's I really wanted to be you know wall to wall action, and still tell a story, and that's that's always a challenge. It's 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 less of a challenge when it's the Hulk because you know. It's the Hulk, you know? <laughs> but 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 the destroyer. You know, nobody knows who that is. So you got to introduce this guy. You got to you got to tell his origin, and then you got to his motivations have to be very clear, all in twenty-two pages. And uh, um, but it, you know, it was ultimately that was a little harder than some, for whatever reason. 
not, I don't think it was the Nazis. I can tell you that right up front. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. That's a gimme. Uh, but, uh, but ultimately, it was, it was a lot of fun, and I was happy that I was able to give uh, Steve Ellis, the artist, so much action, you know, because um, I was afraid that that, that wasn't going to be, that, that wasn't going to work out that way. You know, it's, it's tough. So are there any other projects uh, we should look forward to? Anything we need to talk about? Well, there's uh, Aliens versus Predator coming out after That's the a lot of Aliens and Predators. <laughs> yeah, these, this Alien story and this Predator story are, are dovetailing into an Aliens versus Predator story. Okay, cool. There's the Edward Gray Witchfinder uh, story, the Western that I'm doing with John Severin, which I don't know when that's coming out. Whenever, whenever Sev finishes, and, 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 and we don't, you know, we don't crack the whip with Sev. He just, he just turns in the pages when he, when he finishes them. You know. Let's back up. That's, that's a Witchfinder Western? Yeah. Edward Gray comes over to the States, I think it's like circa 1880, 1881. And, uh, and uh, he, he comes to the Old West looking for, uh, it's not old to him, uh, the West, uh, uh, looking for uh, one of the uh, uh, characters from uh, the Heliopic Brotherhood. And, he, and, he, and adventure ensues. This is my new most anticipated project. Oh, dude, man. I'm very much looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The first couple of pages that we got, I, I fell off my fucking chair. I swear to God, it's so beautiful. And Dave Stewart's coloring it, so, you know, you know he's going to do Sev justice. Well, the, the Severin pages that were in the, forgive me, that was the BPRD special. The War on Frogs? Yeah. But, War on I mean, yeah. It was really amazing to me that a guy who's been around that long, I, I can't think of anybody else who, who's still, I guess it's no. turning in pages that look, you know, who's been working that long and is still turning in pages that look as contemporary, or at least as effective as a contemporary artist does. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't know anybody like that. There isn't. There, there isn't anybody. And, and, um, and I got to tell you, man, that the, the Western pages, I mean, this... This is what he wants to do, and I, I thought those Warren Frog. I was delighted to have him do that Warren Frog story. I was, but uh, the story, the Western story, is better, and John John's artwork is better. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much better these pages were than what he did on Warren Frogs. You know, he's. I give you an example, and, and I should talk about something else, but but it just it just can't. This this it, it blew my mind when I got the pages. There's a stagecoach of course, in the first couple of pages. And I get these pages, and, and he's, you know, the stagecoach is, I don't have to send him reference, you know, the rear boot is on it, the, the oat bucket hanging under the, the oat slash water bucket is hanging under the rear boot, all that shit's there. But more importantly, the stage, I say stagecoach, and anybody else is going to have it drawn by four or six horses, right? And you get it, and not only does Sev have it being drawn by mules, but he's so fucking good, you can tell they're mules. You know, like some guys, they draw a horse, they draw a mule. It just looks like a cat with big ears. <laughs> His mules are like, from behind. You can tell they're mules. It just, it's a huge, huge pleasure working with him. Right now, working with John Severn and Libra Mayo, I just could not be happier. I could not be happier. Uh, there's one other thing, though, I should tell you about that's coming out next year from Wildstorm. It's a graphic novel that I did a few years back with uh, Peter Snyberg. Nice. Uh, the guy. Oh, great. Is that how you say yeah. it? Yes, that's how you say it. Snyberg. <laughs> wow. I've been getting that wrong uh, for a long time. Anyway. <laughs> and it's colored by Bjarne Hansen. So 
uh, again, I mean, I'm working with Mike Mignola and Guy Davis, Lee Bermejo, John Severin, Peter Snyberg, and Yarna fucking Hansen, you know, uh, one of the two best colorists in the business, uh, and, and the best, I think, over, over uh, Peter's stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's coming out from Wildstorm next summer. I can't tell you more about it than that. But uh, it, it's been it's been a, it's been a long road. Yeah. But, uh, 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 we finished it a while back, and, and uh, we're just trying to find a way to get it out there. And finally, Wildstorm uh, put together a way to get it out there. So we're really happy about that. Now, on, and on top of all of this, I got I got to throw out a, a shout out to my alma mater, Drexel University. You're going to be teaching there in the fall, right? You're going to be teaching comic scripting. That's right. In um, in September, uh, it's a I, I, I don't know why I'm saying this because I think you know everybody's going to sign up for it probably already has, but it's a 10-week course, uh, and uh, and I'll, 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 by the end of that course I will have or you will fail a 22-page comic script uh, out of you, and you know you'll you'll leave there knowing how to do it. Uh, at least the day you leave, you'll know. After that, it's, it's up to you. Are you going to tell all those poor bastards there's no real jobs for them? <laughs> You know, um, there's no real jobs for them anywhere, brother. So I don't, I don't see any point in, in uh, disappointing them about comics. You know, you go into investment banking, you go into computer programming, you go into IT, you're fucked. Yeah, fair so, enough. So you know, you might as well be fucked doing something you love. And um, without giving away, you know, your whole curriculum here, but do you have do you have any advice for anybody? Um, you know, looking to get into comics. Stick with it. Stick with you know, it. My favorite quote ever about this sort of thing comes from John Cougar Mellencamp. I'm not particularly fond of his music. I don't hate him, but uh, I heard an interview with him, and um, I forget who it was. Some fresh air, so it was probably Terry Gross, but I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Anyway, uh, this woman said to him, "Let's let's just say Terry Gross. What the hell? You know." No one's going to go check. Uh, she says, oh, so, you know, you've been in this a long time. You know, to what do you attribute your success? And uh, uh, Camp says, uh, uh, perseverance. And, and Terry laughs. And she goes, well, lots of, purple, lots of people persevere. And he says, no, no, they don't. And he's right. They don't. Um, if you give up, you have a 100% chance of failure. <laughs> I, I know some people out there who, who aren't in comics who are doing stuff that nobody ever gave them a shot at succeeding at, but, you know, they, they stuck with it and, and they, they found their niche. And really, you know, if you want to do it, you, the only way it gets done is if you do it. Don't bitch and moan about it. Just do it. So you hear that? Put down the really headphones like, and get, in, get, get out there and, and, and write yeah. some pages. And, and that may sound cliche, but I'm telling you, man, everybody gives up. If you don't give up, you're ahead of 99% of the pack. Everybody gives up. Nobody, you know, everybody wants to play guitar when he's a teenager. Nobody fucking ever does it. You know, everybody, everybody joins a gym in January. I, I, tell you, I can tell you from just watching them, you know, winnow away. By June, they're all gone, you know. Just stick with it. It's hard, but so what? It, it's harder hating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it sounds like such a cheesy and poetic way to end a show, but also good. <laughs> well, it is cheesy, but you know the reason people anybody else ever says it is because it is true. Yeah, you know? fair it's, enough. It's, 
It's uh, and, and the beauty of it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I never feel threatened because I know most people are going to give up anyway. So I never feel threatened in my <laughs> job, you know. Uh, and that's something else that I think people should keep, you know, in the back of their minds, you know. So I guess we covered everything. Well, all right there, the world. That's it for our Talk Explode with John Arcudi. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank John once again for sitting down and talking to us about all these great books. I, for one, am very excited for Wednesday Comics, the return of BPRD, and that crazy Witchfinder Western he was talking about. So a lot of things to look forward to. Um, that's it for us here at ifanboy.com. Remember to check out the regular weekly Pick of the Week podcast and all the daily commentary and discussion going on over at ifanboy.com. Now get back to work. Yeah.